This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Real Estate Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, my name is Ofo Izugu, and I'm CEO and co-founder of Who'sYourLandlord.com. What I love about real estate is everyone everyone lives somewhere um, and so it's it's a business that's been in play forever you know it's not new uh, there's a lot of nuance with it when it comes to technology but at the end of the day we all need a place to, to rest our heads at night and so that's what I love the most about it landlords they literally hold the key to your next apartment or office but how do you know if a landlord is good or is one to be avoided at all costs Coming up, you'll hear about a game-changing website that is solving this challenge and has been nicknamed the Yelp for Landlords, and why it may be much more than that. Plus, the implications of the new ability to warn to the world about the very worst landlords, reward those who are doing it right, and how renters can take ownership of their rental experience. From New York City, you're listening to Real Estate Is Your Business, powered by Preview, a smart online real estate brokerage providing expert advice without the high fees. With real estate tech entrepreneur Thomas Kutzman and business development expert Scott Pollock. Ofo, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Who's Your Landlord is focused on landlord reviews. Sure. Why is it so important to have that landlord review process? I think that the landlord review process is extremely important uh, to renters because oftentimes when you sign a lease, uh, you know very little about who you're going to be living under for the next period of a year, six months, two years. Um, And oftentimes, you know, if that's the case, you can find yourself in some very precarious situations. Um, We've seen on our site trends where you have a a landlord that's been constantly harassing his female tenants and people don't know about that information. Um, Before it'd have to be, you know, if you were privy enough to like knock on different doors and ask, maybe you'd find out. Um, But we've brought word of mouth onto our platform and allow for other people to really tap into that information. uh, So you know what to expect before signing your lease. And why do you think that that hasn't been in place before. Why do you think it's it's been a missing opportunity? I think because so back to even why I said you know uh, I, I love real estate right. Everyone needs to live somewhere, and so I think there's kind of two things at play here. First, in real estate, a lot of times landlords have a, a ton of power, um, and I think just be, just because of that being the case and there not being much transparency, we're now seeing I think across many industries more transparency being brought into the, to the into play, which is where they, like a Yelp comparison comes up oftentimes with us just because people are now, they want access to information about their restaurants, their bars, their housing, that kind of stuff. Um, but then also think too, because of the power behind landlords, um, there's a level, there was a level of apathy for renters where it's like, well, what, what say do I really have? Um, how can I really change a system that's already in place? Um, especially in like a New York City, you don't have to just take what's in front of me, you know? Um, And our whole job is to to really change that narrative and make people understand um, access to information is is good for the industry uh, and good for society overall. Has it it changed the dynamic of how people find apartments, right? I think for forever, people have looked at pictures and read the, you know, all caps listings by the brokers, right? (laughs) So this is is this a new way of finding an apartment or is it a, a way to invalidate places that look right in pictures and have a splashy uh, you know, description? But in fact, there's some subtext to it that's important to know. Well, I think both those questions kind of tie in together, right? Because if you're, if you're invalidating something that, you know, someone would usually go with, you're still affecting that search process for them, right? And so uh, for us, it's how do we provide the, ma- the, the information needed for you to make the right decision? Um, inevitably, people are still going to look at the photos and the, the listings descriptions. Um, that's all, that's, that's not going to change and that shouldn't, you know, but what should change is your level of expectation and your, you know, the level of information you're receiving yeah. in that process. Yeah. You know, and you talked about in the information receiving the transparency, which is interesting, right? So I feel like there's a lot of the people that we've talked to in this show, Tom, have been really trying to bring data and transparency to 
the real estate industry, which has largely been opaque for, for right. a long time, right? So is that kind of part of the driving mission or is that just a kind of consequence of, of focusing on a different side from a business model standpoint, but realizing that information, you know, being out there is valuable? No, that's, that's the whole core of the mission. I mean, the goal is to empower and to inform the rental community. Um, and we do that by providing landlord reviews, uh, community-driven content, and access to quality listings. Um, so we, we understand that by, like, it's, we don't want to just be some one nuanced way of looking. We, we're really looking to shift the way people go about looking for housing right. overall. And then also once you're in your space, you know, content's huge for us because we're able to help renters through their living process. So, so it's not just about reviews. Not, it's also about, you know, what to do when something absolutely, happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. So there's more information. So as far as the, the content and the, the that you're providing, is that like more of a blog setting or is it – you know, recurring guides, what what does that content look like? Sure. So we call it, uh, on our platform, we have what we call the community. Um, and the community is where we'll have blog content, we'll have video content. Um, it's blended in with the actual platform. Uh, so off the bat, you see that reviews, search, and content are key, are key things. Um, so that, you know, we... I think content is super important just because, again, it allows us to be prevalent in a renter's living situation from many use cases, not just the looking process, not just that I'm disgruntled and I'm posting a review process, right. and not just not just the living process of now I'm in the apartment and I have questions. Now, as it relates to the, the disgruntled reviews, how, how do you go about ensuring that people are getting a fair shake? So the landlord pushback would probably be, why you know someone yes I thought you're only going to get to capture the bad ones how do you ensure that you're getting the good with the bad right um so when we first launched uh we launched like a bare bones version of this in 2013 um this is right out of college at temple university so we were focused more on philly uh, at the time um, but we had a simple kind of sliding scale system so we had seven key categories ranging from responsiveness to condition of property and safety um and then it was one to, one to ten right but what we found is when someone loved their landlord they gave them tens in every categories when and they hated them, they gave them once. And that was not helping anybody. Yeah. Um, so what we did was we actually interviewed 100 renters and 50 landlords and property managers to get an understanding of what were the key questions everyone actually had in the process. We whittled that down. What we ended up doing was we asked those same questions on the same categories, but now with a predisposed answer, um, like already preset. So a renter goes through, clicks on the answer. There's a number, a numeric value tied to the back end that they can't see. And then they submit at the end and then it reveals a score. It's creating so, higher fidelity for the actual data you're getting. So absolutely. Just, not just disgruntledness and I hated it, but specific things. Like what were some of the things that you were you know, capturing data on? Yes. Um. In terms of like uh, pre previously or now? Or um, both. I guess both. What was the evolution? Yeah. yeah. So the evolution. So before I think it was more so the comments were so powerful uh, and I think they still are. But at the time it was like, like I said, it'd just be ones or tens, right? Rarely would somebody go through and put five, 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 five. Um, we shorten that up. The max score is five now. I think that's just more palatable. Yeah. Um, and then also too, now we're seeing information through the comment section, but also being like people being like, you know, hey, look, uh, they were responsive, but when they were re responded to my emails, they weren't necessarily being helpful, right? So there's there's more nuance in the actual answers you're getting um, and the experiences. And now, even by just switching the process up, you know, 65% of our reviews are, are neutral to positive in terms of sentiment. So it's a huge thing. You know, what percent of people would you say, and maybe you're, you're biased here, like have had some experience with their landlord that's even worth talking about, right? If I imagine... Um, that most people, it's like they're in, they're invisible. Their landlords are just the people who they mail a check to, but um, for the most part, there's there's no real relationship there, unless mm. you find a problem and they don't solve it, which that I can understand. But you know, is that is that fair to say that most people don't really think about their landlord, or is it in fact a bigger you know issue, so to speak, that than than most people realize? Sure, I think it's a I think it's a larger issue that people realize. Um, you know, we we're not just reviewing landlords. There's landlords, property managers, mm -hmm. apartment buildings. Um, so that being the case, you know, you're, you're usually reviewing who you're commonly dealing with the most, yeah. um, which I think makes the most sense for whoever's coming after you or whatever the case is. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of like that, that what you're kind of asking about speaks to the apathy of just if people don't know there's an outlet for that kind of stuff, they, they don't look for it. Right. Yeah. But if you let them know, like, hey, look, there's a, there's a way to actually remedy these situations, a way to get your voice heard, um, then the response can be very, very impactful. And that's what we've seen here. Now, it just, uh, you know, given the idea of uh, landlord reviews, is there any way for the landlords to review a renter? Um, you know, I've, I own some properties where, you know, even with the best vetting process of, of tenants where, you know, background checks, references, you know, you can still get 
a bad tenant as well as there's a lot of you know I've had a lot of great tenants but I've had the bad you know bad apples that weren't the the didn't keep, take care of the place the right way. Is there a way for for the landlord to reciprocate even in a positive light so that person can be a better renter going forward? Right. So, you know, what you just mentioned there kind of towards the end is is really the way we have to approach it as a business. Um, you know, meaning that for a, a renter, they can review a landlord, property manager, apartment building because those those act as entities or businesses. So it's it's fair game. The the inverse is, you know, if you end up saying a renter has a one out of five and, and pretty much screwing them out of being able to find housing for the rest of their lives, like that's blackballing and that's illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that perspective, it, it cannot be the same situation back and forth. But what we can do to encourage just better, I think better approach uh, to being a renter, for renters and residents in general, is uh, having some way of highlighting when they do positive things. So getting recommendations, right? You have a profile on who's your landlord. You should be able to show previous recommendations from other landlords. So that as I'm looking at your you know, profile now, I can say, okay, I want to rent from you um, or want to rent to you. And I think that the more and more that becomes the norm, uh, the more, again, we're shifting the, the culture in that space because now it becomes, if you don't have a reference, it's like, well, why is that? So that's 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 different than, you know, having just a landlord have a poor review of you in that capacity. Right. Now, I mean, I don't know how, how Scott, how you feel about it, but if you look at, you mentioned earlier, Ofo, about the idea of being compared to Yelp sometimes, sure. right? And obviously, um, you know, it sounds like you do a lot more than, sure. you know, just a Yelp comparison. But if you look at other market places, so like Uber, for example, you know, there's a driver rating and a, and a rider rating. Or oh, if you yeah. look at Airbnb... Uh, yeah, I, I love Airbnb. I use it more than hotels now. That, there's a there's a reviewing the guest and a review of the host. So, and and it almost breeds to a better community. Well, I don't know that 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 Uber rating, passenger rating, keeps me up at night. And I'm like, <laughs> what happens if I mm. I piss somebody off, and then right. my entire future of transportation is screwed? I'm never going to get around. <laughs> Which is actually, you know what? I would say that should that's the blackballing of the future of transportation. <laughs> Well, but in both those scenarios, whether it's Airbnb, you're thinking of short term uh, stays, right? If it's uh, if it's Uber, you know, if you're if you're not taking Uber, there's Lyft, there's cabs, there's your car, there's public public trans. So they're not kind of in the same position. But when it comes to housing and understanding that, you know, 35 to 40 percent of us rent across the nation, like to black blackball somebody out of potential housing living situation, um, it's, it's much dire, much more dire consequence. Now, from from speaking to your the customers and you know, people on your platform, are are you detecting any sort of this blackballing going on? Are there any select markets where that is occurring? No, we're not. We're not seeing that in terms of like renters being positioned that way. No, um, I think what we always have to be conscious of is just like the dynamics at play. Because we, what we've seen is there'll be times where you know a renter will reach out and say, you know, their landlord threatened them because they posted a review, huh. um, and the landlord didn't take too kindly to it, even if it's something that's not deep. Um, and where our that's, that's where our job is to really position ourselves as that buffer between the two um, to help renters to understand you do have a voice and you have a company that's standing up for you. We we understand the laws and how they kind of break down. To, to benefit and to help you um, and then also for the landlord to understand that you can't be blackmailing or bullying tenants um, into just doing what you what you want them to do I feel it's like not acceptable you see here and there I remember recently seeing articles about someone posts the overview of a restaurant and then they sue them or or there's I remember one a few weeks ago I forget specifically but it was like a restaurant where somebody or a hotel maybe on Airbnb someone left a bad review and apparently in some esoteric term and condition that they had the uh, the the, 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 uh, the customer sign they could they owe them $500 because they posted a bad review. And like, of course, these things get thrown out in court, but it kind of creates this dynamic of do people get afraid to be transparent, especially when it's something, as you said, is critical to your just your, your livelihood, your life as, as housing. Have you found any issues with people that want to be transparent, want to tell the truth, maybe had a bad experience, but but don't because they're afraid? That's a, that's a very real thing, right? The, the real thing is you live in that home. Um, you're the one that has to deal with the landlord knocking on your door or harassing you if they, if it goes sour, right? Um, but we were very cognizant of that. And we, you know, that's why a lot of times we encourage the renter to, to plug us into the process, you know, reach out to us, let us know what's going on and how we can communicate. And uh, oftentimes you'll see also with renters, they'll wait till they're moving. And this is something that's very interesting that we've noticed is that, especially the dichotomy between female renters and male renters, a female renter oftentimes will wait till they are about to move out. If it's going to be a yeah. negative review, yeah, yeah, they'll yeah. wait till they're on their way out. Like, hey, I'm, you know, they're leaving now, so they feel comfortable. Sure. Men tend to just kind of screw. Like, if it's bad, screw yeah. it. Like, you know, if it's good, here it is. So um, it, it all depends, but it's really almost like 50-50 in terms of does, the posting. And, and does that change things? Like, if you get information while someone is there, is that different than when 
is someone's only posting when they leave or is it you know, information the same even though there's a bit of a gap in when you receive it? Information is, is powerful regardless. Um, if it's right when you're about to leave, then it's even more privy to the next person that's you know, sure. going to be moving in. Um, if it's as you live there, we've seen, uh, we, we've had several situations where like a renter will say, there's been certain maintenance requests they've made. There's been no communication. They'll highlight that. Next thing you know, the next week, all the things are addressed. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So there's power also, too, in being able to post a review and highlight your situation currently as you're living in it, um, where it can really propel a company to action um, versus just waiting until the end, you know? Uh, Ofo, before we get uh, deeper into, you know, who's your landlord and, you know, the places you are, um, just want to take, uh, take a moment for, uh, you know, a tradition on the show. Um, it's called snack time. Um, snack were, time. Yeah, we do it to it gives us an opportunity to break bread and you know, learn a little bit more about you. Uh, um, what did you bring, bring I, for I, us to share today? So funny enough, I I was actually gonna go with Lunchables. Uh, oh, yeah, classics. because cause the thing is, so growing up, like my parents never got us Lunchables, but I would trade my lunch a lot of times with other kids that had Lunchables. <laughs> Um, and it wasn't until I what got to college. What possibly could you have traded that got you access to a Lunchable? Yeah, right. Like, what was I trading? Um, probably like, like. It was, what was I bringing the most sought after lunch food of uh, yeah. the 80s and 90s? I got I to gotta think back. But um, oftentimes, sometimes I would trade like my school, the school lunch, like the school lunch that you'd get served. Yeah. Some kid wanted French fries and like, you know, chicken tenders. And I had, you know, I would like Lunchables, right? Like, because I, I would never get them. Um, and then it wasn't until I got to college where all of a sudden you go to the grocery store and they would always have those four for five deals, which when you think about it, it's probably because it's really bad for you. But <laughs> I would load up on them. So because yeah. um, I couldn't find that, actually, I, my office is a block away from here. So in the time in the distance it wasn't like very accessible so what i did was instead i got something that i enjoy now um where it's a uh, tortilla chips and uh, roasted red pepper hummus interesting uh, that's a combination yeah, i haven't seen I think it's such a i feel like it's very brooklyn-esque now but mm, yeah. it is a, it's a gourmet tortilla chip <laughs> right right not just chickpea hummus but with roasted red peppers i bring right. <laughs> it sounds like you've got you got your start in the uh the world of negotiations and real estate and the like in early age by by very horse trading so. lunchables right very much so very much so. baloney and and house rentals yeah. one and same coming up we'll hear ofo tell us a little bit more about how who's your landlord went mainstream in multiple cities and we'll hear a little bit more about the power dynamics that are occurring between renters and landlords be right back Are you looking to buy a home in New York City? Get more with Preview's industry-leading Smart Buyer Rebate. Seamlessly search listings on Preview's end-to-end buyer platform, purchase your home with the expert advice of a local agent, plus receive up to 2% cash back thanks to Preview's Smart Buyer Commission Rebate. Smart buyers get more with Preview. Go to previewapp.com backslash buyer that's previewapp.com backslash buyer Ofo, we, we we talked a lot about the idea of landlord reviews and the importance of landlord reviews how did you go about getting it into the hands of renters yeah, I mean, when we first launched, um, we had a beta version that was live. It was focused on college students initially um, at University of Maryland, Temple, and George Mason University, really because we had connections there. We had friends that went to those schools, so we knew getting the word out would make a lot of sense and be an easier path that way versus kind of just going to random schools and shouting. Um, so in terms of initially getting the word out, you know, we uh, we were working with college ambassadors so folks that you know understood the problem they're very charismatic they knew how to get in front of people and talk about these issues and say hey look there's now this way you can do this um i was i was the vice president of the student body at the time so i already also knew like in leading up to getting it out here i knew like this is a very important issue to students um which is why the idea even came up so was it specifically around like off-campus housing initially was there a kind of explicit focus on that or was it Focusing on students as they graduate, they're looking for the first apartment, helping them kind of get into the, the real world, and, and this is one component of it. How did you start with with colleges? Initially with off-campus housing. It, yeah. That was the premise. We, we had dorms in there as well, which mm -hmm. I think made it a stickier um, from the sense that you could name the 12 or so dorms that were on your campus. Yeah. Um, but off-campus housing was huge. You know, I was at Temple University where in North Philly there was tons of gentrification happening, just tons of shifts happening when it came to landlords owning property. Um, so because of that constant influx, it, it was just students felt like they had 
had first of all, they had no protection. They didn't know where to go. Um, and your your limits of information were there with campus safety and with the police. And so mm-hmm. um, it became, well, how can we change that dynamic? And that's when we came in. And was it something that you know students specifically are are feeling the effect of bad landlords more or differently than you know someone in their thirties, or is it just that you know they they uh, have less information because they've been in the world a little bit less in terms of you know being out in the the non-campus world. I, I'm, I'm always a believer that there's many truths to a situation. Like everything you just outlined is true, right? Yeah. Um, or for a lot of college students, there were they were new renters. It was their first time, maybe their second apartment if they moved a couple times to school. Um, also, that that combined with the fact that from a landlord's perspective, a student, they always would rather have a student than a family because you're charging per room. So you're making more money. Um, and so understanding that dynamic and then also landlords being like, well, college students don't know anything, so I'm just going to – I can Take do whatever I want, sure, right? Yeah. So, you know, things will look nice, right? You look like you have a new refrigerator, new dishwasher, but then the plumbing doesn't work right, right. Um, or your washing machine doesn't – or the dry machine doesn't dry, um, you know, whatever the issue is. And landlords knew as soon as long as it was stainless steel and looked the part, pay, students were going to pay it. Um, and so it was highlighting a lot of those stories, like, actually, no, this landlord is notorious for having a very shabbily put together apartment and not doing the job. You know, and, and just connecting some dots here, like, you know, we talked earlier in the conversation about transparency, and and uh, we talked with another guest a few weeks ago, um, who Oliver Swan from, from Truesdale Real Estate. He's focused on student housing, and one of the conversations there, I think, relates here is that these are these students who are, are, are seeing their first taste of real estate on their own, they're getting a sense of what their future of real estate will be like. And so in, in the way here, it's connecting those dots of there should be an expectation amongst these students who started at using Who's Your Landlord to say, I should expect to know everything about my landlord Absolutely. before I get into a situation in the future. Absolutely. I mean, this is the information age, right? Like when you're on Amazon, they're constantly showing you reviews, how you make a lot of your decisions, um, TripAdvisor, uh, back to, to Yelp, you know? Um, so it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and something that we noticed with uh, with renters that was very interesting about how they would go about the housing process and looking, we, we would get back stories from different renters where they would say, you know, I was on a tour with so-and-so group or this, with this landlord, uh, and the landlord, they would be answering different questions, and the person would say, hey, you know, I came across your reviews, and they would have it on their phone, I came across your reviews on who's your landlord, and I saw that, you know, you weren't that good at getting back people on time, like, what's, what's good with that, right? And the landlord have to respond, you know, oh, well, you know, this, when it comes to maintenance, this is how we do it. And, you know, these are our protocols or whatever, but it, 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 it gave the renter a more sense of, of power in those situations to be like, hey, let's have these honest questions from things I've seen from other people, you know? You know, related to that, and one of the things we talk about a lot in the show with, with guests who are innovators in the, in the kind of technology side of the real estate world and the confluence of the two is how just the norms of how you engage with real estate in any element is changing and how technology is becoming a tool for real estate where, you know, it hasn't been for a long time. Do you think that some of this, like exactly that example, um, you know, you didn't get back to me in time. Does that start to motivate landlords to use new tools to, to be more responsive, to be more aware of issues in real time, et cetera? Absolutely. Um, we've met with several, several landlords, uh, it's bigger, just bigger landlords that'll say, you know, I would pay you just to ha- just to get notified every time a review goes up, just so that we can respond to the review, say, hey, you know, or, or at least be aware of what's going on, what people are saying about us online. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is super important um, to to be cognizant of what's happening in your social brand, essentially. Yeah. Um, and I think that that, well, for a lot of landlords, I think there's an initial apprehension to respond to a review. And to them, I say a lot of times, renters love when the landlord responds because it shows that you care enough to say something. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like your, your point earlier, Tom, you know, as a landlord, sometimes there's bad tenants. And so, you know, you know, if, if a landlord can call that out in, in a respectful manner, you know, hey, look, you know, I was I, I did help everything, everything going on. This rent, this renter didn't pay their last two months of rent. Like, you know, this is what happened. Like sometimes that kind of that kind of uh, fluidity helps. It's another it's still transparency. Yeah, you give credence more to a review that has both sides. Exactly. Right. And it, as it relates to it, it, it seems like there's a, a clear problem arising especially when you think of how the idea of landlording is changing right like larger companies are controlling larger and larger blocks there's new developments where the whole development's controlled by one major landlord um and you you could probably you know weigh in on you know large landlords versus you know smaller you know smaller mom and pop landlords um in your experience but how do you see that power dynamic currently and and how have you seen it change since Who's your landlord? You know, uh, has migrated to where it is today. Yeah, I mean, I think because so that because there's a lot of renters certainly, 
But, um, you know, in New York City, you can get into thinking about thinking about zoning laws and thinking about kind of the rush to develop over the last couple of years as people were trying to squeeze in um, things before the new budgets were passed. Uh, so the, right now, there's a lot of housing. Um, there's a lot of housing that's out there. A, a lot of right from landlords, what you see and from buildings, you'll see a lot of marketing talk. Um, and everybody has the kind of the same spiel, the same amenities and stuff. So what differentiates you from everyone else? Well, oftentimes it's, it's those actual interpersonal reviews. Someone not like who has no stake in this game other than their own, their own living being like, Hey, I had a really good experience here. or Hey, I didn't. Um, and so that, that is a, the strongest marketing tool you can have is just people using word of mouth and sharing that information versus you, you know, paying for a billboard somewhere or paying for online, you know, online real estate to get the word out. Does it mean that landlords may want to even encourage their tenants to give reviews because it becomes a marketing vehicle? I, I Absolutely. I mean, it's the same way, you know, you might enter, go to a restaurant and say, hey, if you enjoyed your service here, please leave us a review online. Right, right. I think that's that's I think that's fair for landlords, property managers, um, apartment buildings to do the same thing. You know, if you've enjoyed your service, post a review about us online. It's, it's helpful. It's helpful information and oftentimes helps them know what to do better as well. Now, just just to yeah, have some context, how many landlord reviews have you received so far and you know do you have an insight on what percentage of those are you know the large you know big commercial you know landlords versus the individual mom and pop landlords yeah so to answer your second question first i don't have that that exact split in terms of what are the bigger landlords versus the smaller landlords in terms of review count um we have over ten thousand reviews mostly centered around the northeast area mm-hmm. philly dc and new york cool. um and and i mean it's it's been a, i think it's been a helpful process to now have it uh be out there yeah and how long have you guys been uh been in business yeah so we we were in beta for about a year and a half um we've been around for four and a half years total um in terms of how we operate now since 2015 um so with the ability to to post reviews look for listings content content we started implementing last year um and we've seen our blog our blog readership has gone up 43 percent month over month over fifty thousand blog readers a month Um, you know our user base is at three hundred thirty thousand renters in our community growing that at 25 percent month over month so and speaking of blogs so we talked a lot about the content the the blog, the reviews, et cetera. But you also were referencing before that there's there's more that you guys do. You get involved in the process. Help us understand a little bit more about like what is it that that who's your landlord does when there's a, a tenant landlord dispute or what have you. Yeah. So two two things I'll highlight. First, um, what I think will be even more advantageous to the to the renters in general is providing the ability to actually communicate with each other. So messaging, um, something that uh, next door does, I mean, in, in the suburbs and really is focused on out there, mm-hmm. bringing that to more urban environments where it's not just now the reviews. It's like, okay, well, you might see a, a review and say, or or you might see like something written in a form and want to ask more questions to that tenant about, you know, why did you feel that way? Or what was your experience like here? Yeah. Um, so that's going to be, I think, very powerful for the platform itself, yeah. boosting engagement. The idea of community um, that doesn't exist in, classically doesn't exist in a building like in New York. Where exactly. You never know your neighbor. Exactly. 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 And then the, the second part of that in terms of what we actually do now, um, you know, let me, so we, there's a couple of things. We work with vendors associations and landlord associations. We've spoken to both. I think in the beginning, landlord associations were a little bit apprehensive, but almost like chopping at the bit to get us to speak in front of them because they wanted to, you know, kind of see what we were coming with. But I think the fact that we were so transparent and so humble about the, the approach, it was almost like, oh, well, OK, I, I get it. Like, yeah. I would need that if I was a renter. Yeah. Um, and then from the renter standpoint, any ways we can disseminate information from those associations, from those tenant unions to other renters. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes you'll see online like a lot of the information is bulky. Um, it's on government sites. It's buried in, in you know, in many different articles. Or, sure. And so our job is to make it just easier to, you know, to read, to easier to pick up on. Um, so we do that a lot with our content. Um, it, or even just highlighting real stories so that people can understand how you you, you maneuver your way out of that so that never happened to you. So it's, it's still along the lines of kind of shining a light on issues so that, you know, that that's the best disinfectant as opposed to saying, we're going to help you lawyer up and go sue your landlord or vice versa. We're going to go and make sure that your your tenant never complains again. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like we're always looking at ways you can be even more helpful, right? So uh, there's obviously incentive for, for lawyers uh, that in, in the housing space to be involved in some capacity just because for them, they want they want, they want want to have clients, you know? Um, but also with that same thing, they already had this information and knowledge in their head. And with housing laws that change from state to state, you know, one of the key things we're going to be doing now is allowing for renters to even ask questions to counsel and see, you know, how do you figure out a certain situation, you know? Um, so there's there's so many ways. Real estate, it's, it's so a Morpheus, there's so many ways to be a part of it. Um, we you know we just, we're focusing on the residential space right now and renting, but there's more things we can do there. Now, you know, going more into the actual business and how you guys make money, um, do you see 
being more of a you know revenue driven by listings or is it more driven by the overall you know platform usage how do you how do you guys actually go about making making money from this currently it's mostly been through partnerships so partnerships we've done with american express roadway moving allstate um target a lot of these companies they they have valuable assets that they want to share with our renters um we make sure that we're working with the top quality um you know partners in that capacity um roadway top rated moving company in new york last several years all states the number one rated renters insurance the last six um so we were always making sure that we're curating and working with the best of the best um that being said the two i think down the line what we'll do is for her listings on our platform as we more more deeply penetrate these markets we'll be able to charge to post listings and everything Right now, from a value standpoint, we know the more information we have, the better for the tenant. And so if landlords can go on right now and post their listings for free, uh, property managers, apartments. You know, so my background is very much in partnerships. I'm curious, what are the what are those partnerships? May help us understand what do you guys do? Is it giving deals and discounts or is there something else that you do with them? Sure. So um, one thing we did, like with Uber, for example, a couple of years ago, anybody that posted a review on our platform got $30 of Uber credit. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, we'll we'll do discounts of like Target. You could get a discount when you would buy some thing we would have like we had very aesthetically pleasing like banners on our platform that we had created we had curated um but it would let you allow you to have access to the wil discount on these platforms um and or a lot of times just information yeah. um so you know american express we did kind of a three-step blog series on financial readiness and credit mm-hmm. and um we were able to speak to it from many different angles um so we find ways to be very very beneficial and helpful to our community and so when you think about some of those companies they're they're you know giant giant companies that, you know, when they look at getting the message out about their product or, or a discount on their service, they're looking at audiences of, you know, any sort of publisher like yourself, tens of millions of sure, people, right? Sure. So they're not, but you guys are, are notably smaller. What do you think it is that has attracted partners to to uh, you and, and your audience, your, your, your community versus, you know, it's clearly not just you have access to a trillion potential customers of theirs. I think it's the the refined nature of who's on our platform. So you understand very clearly the age demo, the age breakdown. You understand very clearly how they're how they're in where they are in the rental process. Um, and you and we have the voice to speak to them. And so I think that from an aesthetic standpoint, from a brand standpoint, those brands really like us, and, and they a lot of them are looking for a cooler way to communicate with millennials, with Gen Z. So um, I think from that standpoint, it makes the most sense for them. Because um, the, what I referenced earlier was if you go to Allstate's national page and just look at their videos, they of course they have some sponsored ones that are huge, but their average video that they put out gets about thirty five hundred to four thousand views. Okay. The one we did with them did one hundred and twenty thousand views in ten days. Wow. So um, you know, there's a very sharp message that we're delivering that they connect with. And so it sounds like you guys have a deeper level of engagement with yeah. the, the the users of, of who's your landlord. Absolutely. And when when you think about the millennial or Gen Z audience. Do you think that the way some people report on it, it get, sheds it in a negative light or negative stigma? Report on the that demo on or? that demo versus you know prior generations. Do you do you uh, think there's a there's a stigma attached to that by being viewed as a millennial? I don't think so. I think that that makes us stronger um, in the sense that you know everyone is as fully aware like, as, as i mentioned with the information age and us growing up this way like we've all i mean netflix i won't click on a video to watch if it has bad reviews uh, you know i'm on rotten tomatoes i'm on imdb if it's 6.8 or less i'm kind of like oh, do i don't want to waste two hours of my life like you know so every decision we make is based off of information and so i think it's there's two approaches it's put your head in the sand and act like it's just not going to happen to you which never usually is a good thing uh, as you think about the future or it's like get in front of it and address it and it's kind of back to that social brand thing and understanding yeah. the market um because that's where it's going you know and when you think about content and look at like like for example you gave the all-state video 120,000 views for the video in 10 days um how do you approach that content creation process? You know, obviously, like there's you know big brands like you know Gary Vaynerchuk and other people that talk about you know content, content documenting. You know, how do you guys approach that content creation process? By being real. Um, so a, a company I'm, I'm friends with this the CEO, former CEO now, um, but Revzilla was a cool company. They do like motorcycle like equipment, so like jackets, helmets. And um, talking with Anthony Bucci, former CEO there, he was saying, you know, they always look at their business as a funnel. The bottom of the funnel was you buying a jacket or buying a helmet. The top of it was how could they help you before you ever need to do that, right? So they created a bunch of YouTube videos um, that spoke about everything when it came to your kind of motorcycle living. Got to the point where they got so big just from the content 
companies like Honda and you know would send Yamaha would send them motorcycles to review. Um, and the thing is, like their whole thing was they were going to be pure, going to be honest the entire way, which created a community of people who knew to go to them for this real insight. And so that's why I mean, even when we work with those brands that we're talking about, we're always very shrewd in saying you know, it's it's our message, it's what we've learned from our users and from just the research and the statistics, and that's what we're delivering. And so if they want to be a part of that, they can, but we're not going to shift in providing a different message. You know, everything's about trust and quality. And I think that's what the reviews, the content all lead to. Ofo, this has you know, been great, uh, great discussion so far. Um, coming up, we're going to get uh, a little bit more personal and uh, learn uh, more about you and, uh, and your journey uh, you know, outside of who's your landlord. The superior audio quality on Mouth Media Network is powered by Sennheiser. And as a listener, you can receive a 25% discount on virtually any headphone, microphone, and other high-quality audio product available to purchase directly on the Sennheiser website. Just visit Sennheiser.com and enter the code MOUTHMEDIASEN, that's MOUTHMEDIA, S-E-N-N, at checkout. Keep up with the show on Instagram and Facebook at Real Estate Biz Show and with hashtag MouthMedia. Plus, check out all of the MouthMedia Network shows at MouthMediaNetwork.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Ofo, uh, we, we always like to learn more about uh, our guests and uh, we, you know, we ask more out-of-the-box questions and... Uh, I'm gonna pass it to Scott to to kick things off as far as questions. I usually I, I lead things off, but I feel like Scott looks like he's uh, itching to ask a question itching. over I, there. I really want to go back to the Lunchables. Um, <laughs> you know, no, but like you know, what? Well, well, tell me about where you you grew up and the cafeteria where you ate those Lunchables. Sure, sure. So, um, my parents are from Nigeria and Barbados. Uh, they met in Buffalo, New York, and I grew university. As one naturally goes to <laughs> right, in tropical right. climates. <laughs> so, I actually I moved a ton when I was little. Uh, Starting in Patterson, New Jersey. To Clifton, New Jersey, Buffalo, New York, Baltimore, Maryland, and then really in 2000, lived in Ellicott City, Maryland, uh, as I was growing up. And so, um, how did you find yourself moving so much? Um, just fo- my parents' jobs, like following them. You know, they're both in the medical space. Um, dad is a cardiologist, mom is a nurse. Um, and so, uh, as they were kind of, my dad's going through residency and everything, um, we were just kind of growing with them. And uh, that's what kind of took us around a lot. Very cool. Yeah. Now, I, I have a question as, as, We've gone through the outreach process as for speaking to guests and reaching out to you know different folks and you know looking down the you know the laundry list uh, you know of up and coming you know real estate technology companies. Uh, we've noticed a a clear lack of representation from you know, female leaders, you know leaders from unrepresented you know backgrounds. How do you feel about that? And do you, it seems like it's even more magnified in real estate technology as opposed to technology where it's already you know, widely discussed. How do you feel about that? And why do you how do we how do we go about changing that? Sure. You know, when we when we first started, I think you're. Your lens, the lens you're looking at life through, your business through is purely just what you're doing, right? So when the idea popped in my head of, oh, let's review landlords, I, I was not thinking of like in a grand fashion, what does that actually look like? The fact that we're in real estate tech, I wasn't thinking of all those things. Yeah. Um, at The longer you do it, the more you're in the game, you understand how things work, you start to learn, you meet people. Um, and so I'm, I've always been acutely aware of just a lot of times a funding gap between um, white male CEOs and as, or fund, com- funded companies uh, versus like minority led or women led companies. Right. Um, you know, when you're looking at VC dollars on an annual basis, you know, minority led companies are getting less than one percent of that funding. Women about five percent. Um, so there's already disparity there. When I think about real estate, there's been a, a history in real estate of racial discrimination, even to the hard product of what it is, right? Think about redlining in like the 1940s and, and beyond. Um, and the, the boxing out of certain folks from being able to get uh, loans for their, FHA loans for their housing. Um, and, and knowing in a 30-year period, only 2% of FHA loans went to people of color. Um, those things do end up marginalizing and creating these levels of, of separation. So it's not surprising to me understanding that history to know that now, you know, we're looking at real estate tech, 
um, if I if I feel like I've never really had a hand in real estate or understood it or my parents couldn't really teach me about it, yeah. I'm probably shying away from that industry, you know. Um, and not only that, but even if I'm in the industry and I figured it out, then it's like, well, the, the issue and the hurdle becomes getting the funding to make it really grow, um, you know. So I think understanding that standpoint, it, it kind of lets you it gives you more of an understanding as to why things are the way they are. Yeah. Um, but it's it's gonna take people that take bets and invest capital and and um and are willing to teach and provide resources that allow for there to be more people that look like me in this space. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. I guess the the you make a good point about like the the why perhaps has existed so far, but the question of how do we solve that is another one. Like, do you have any sense of of what everybody could be doing to kind of bring more folks who are not traditionally in the, the real estate space or the technology space or certainly the real estate technology space to create more exposure at, at every level and, and bring more folks from all backgrounds in? I think, you know, honestly, what you'll see in, in every industry is, I think, similar. You know, somebody works on cars for 15, 20 years and they say, you know, I want to start my company around cars. And then they, they have, you know, they're kind of an industry expert on it so they can maneuver to that. Uh, I think every industry, though, also benefits from having just complete newbies take a look at it, right? Like, my background wasn't real estate. So I was like, reviews, landlords, this makes perfect sense. Why is nobody doing this? Yeah. Um, whereas someone's in the industry might have had the, the the lens of looking at it and being like, oh, well, landlords will always have a lot of power um, or renters need a place to live. So who cares? Right. Um, and so I was not jaded by that reality. I was looking at how can I create my own? Yeah. Um, and so I think from from that standpoint, bringing in new eyeballs, fresh lenses to, in those meetings um, when it comes to housing, when it comes to tech, whatever the, the case is, but then also cutting more checks, more investment. I see more and more stuff happening with real estate tech. I see Metaprop, you know, you, you see there's a lot of companies and organizations doing more things, um, but it's, it's, it's incumbent upon them to look harder for things, right? Because you'll hear oftentimes, oh, we can't find anybody that looks like that, you know, so they must not be out there. But oftentimes your person that's in charge of looking doesn't look like that community, has never been to that community, so they don't know where to look, you know? So I think across the board, having a more concerted effort to make change is the beginning stages of that. Um, and then when you see someone doing something that's positive and, and it's working, funding it so it can really expand. Well, I'll use this as an opportunity to, to make a call out there. If there are any you know, women who are in the real estate space who, who feel like they haven't had their choice chance to, to speak about that or, or people from varying backgrounds, minority backgrounds and underrepresented, we would love to hear from everyone uh, on this show and kind of bring some voices to the mix that, that aren't currently there. Definitely. So thank you for joining us on that front. No problem. Uh, you know, one thing, speaking of, so you were saying that you didn't come from a real estate background, right? But you, you started this in school. But I'm curious, did you have a really bad landlord experience that made it made it an obvious thing to start? Funny enough, I actually had a decent landlord experience. I think people, people <laughs> assume I must have had a really bad one. My landlord was great in, in college. Um, but I heard, like, so being a VP of the student body, students always came to me with their issues because my purview was things that were happening off campus. Um, and so with that being the case, housing was always, it was just the number one issue. Um, just, just, to, just to clarify, so your, your focus at the VP of the student body was was on off-campus activities? Right, right. right. So um, the way it broke down, you had the president, you had two VPs. Yeah. One was focused on more like the internal uh, the internal work of the, or the university. One was focused on the external. That was me. So government affairs, I was in Harrisburg, you know, mm-hmm. rallying students uh, so that we can make sure we still got our allocations every year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was ho- working housing, you know, making sure students were having decent living situations, campus safety, um, the police. Um, so communication is just broad communications overall. So um, because that fell under my purview, it just it made a lot of sense. So you were seeing something, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs start with their own personal experience, but like you just said before, that this wasn't necessarily a personal experience you had with a bad landlord um, or a real estate background. It was you're seeing everyone else's problems. Exactly. And I remember the reason why it stuck with me so heavily was because when I was looking for apartments with my roommates, um, you know, you're living usually with your best friends and stuff in college. So we would, we would set up, you know, times to meet the landlord so we could go and take a tour of the home. Um, and what we just kept doing, I don't, we just had this, we just felt we should do this. When the landlord would leave, we would come back the next day and we would say, hey, like, what was it really like living here? Were, were there mice? Did they take care of the mice? Like, and the renters were just so honest, like, man, you shouldn't live here. Like, um, that's what we're trying to get out. Like, um, and so it was having that real experience and it working, right? Because they told us, hey, this is a great spot and us living there and it was really great. Um, having that experience and then coupling that with the bad experiences I was seeing because most students didn't have the, they're not going to take off class and then go and check it out again. Like the tour is a tour. They hear what they hear and usually their first time or second time running, they take people at their word. Yeah. And so uh, we knew that wasn't necessarily the full picture you needed and that's how we started. Yeah. And you noted you'd lived in multiple places. You know, your, your company's live in multiple cities. Uh, what is your favorite city to live in 
thus far. You can get me in trouble with that one, man. Um, <laughs> How do I choose between my children? <laughs> man, um, all right. Well, I'll be. I'll just be honest. Living wise, I've lived in New York City the last four. Uh, I love. Like I love this city. Um, I think you know you you learn so much in the city. You meet so many different kinds of people, different walks of life. Um, and it's just there's an energy that when you when you leave it, you can feel the difference. Sure, you need a break couple weeks you know take a trip go camping or something but when you're here there's a vibration a beat to this city that i think no other city can really match that being said i don't think people from philly would disagree with that i think um in terms of like culture in terms of like like kind of like a chic kind of up and coming feeling philly has that right it feels like um you know and i'm not saying this because they're in the super bowl now either i'm just <laughs> acknowledging the fact that you know they've done some cool things in the city they just like Boston, they're university centric. You have Penn, Drexel, Temple, St. Joe's, uh, Villanova. Um, so there's all just this already an energy there. And now, over the last 50 years, that economy was declining in Philly, and you have government officials that were kind of managing a, a decline. And now it's completely turned around in the last 10 years, where now it's increasing. The population's increasing like crazy. Um, so I think there's there's benefits, but that's a really political answer. Like there's benefits <laughs> to both, but you know, New York City in terms of living, I've enjoyed it being here. And to, to give you a, a chance uh, on the other side of the coin, um, where where would you like to see yourself expand to? Uh, you know, for who's your landlord? If 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 anyone's, you know, for, of the people that are listening, who would you? What folks would you like to connect with uh, outside of the Northeast uh, and where you're not currently? What yeah. cities uh, would you like to connect with? Yeah, so I'll give you a broad answer first, and then kind of narrow it down. Broadly speaking, we want to become a company that's used domestically everywhere and then inter internationally. So we already anecdotally we receive emails all the time from folks Mexico City, London, Paris. Um, this is needed. Nigeria, like Lagos, for example, you're usually paying two years of rent upfront cash. Like, imagine doing that to a landlord that's really bad. And they're also not incentivized to do anything for you because they have your cash already. Like, so they're, you know, different cities have different issues, but they all tend to have the same issues um, at the same time. Um, but understanding that, though, we look at kind of what are the cities that are growing fastest in America right now. Austin, Charlotte, Seattle, um, those are cities we want to be in. We definitely will have a presence in the next couple of years. Um, but I think that first is just getting it right here. Um, focusing D.C., Philly, New York, organically, San Francisco and L.A. have picked up tremendously. It just proves, it goes to show how much they need it. Um, but we just want to focus first and then grow from there. You know, and, and so speaking of other cities that you, you might eventually expand to, um, you know, you as a child, you were saying was somewhat nomadic. And, right, uh, right. Maybe, you know, did you, not sure if you had a feeling of a sense of home, but mm. do you have a sense of where you want to go? Or do you see yourself planting your roots kind of once and for all in, in New York? Yeah, you know, I, growing up, I always saw, saw myself as being bi-coastal at some point. Um, I'll always have a home, I think, in Brooklyn. Like, I think I love, I love Brooklyn. Um, and I love the vibes. I love the people. Uh, I love what it represents. Um, it's it's probably the, the kale and spinach tortilla chips, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, there's history behind it, and there's some new new stuff, right, with it too. So uh, I always have some kind of a semblance of a home in Brooklyn. Um, but that being said, you know, I can see myself on the West Coast as well, um, and inter international. I don't, I don't see why you can't take a couple of years. I, I'd I'd highly recommend at some point in your life, you know, just even if it's for a few years to live abroad, it it definitely you know, opens up your mindset. You know, I'm a you know, native New Yorker and. I lived abroad in Switzerland for five years, and it definitely opened my mindset. Um, it was definitely a it's an experience that I think I would recommend to everybody at some point in their career. No, I I agree with it, and that's the beautiful thing about technology now is like I can work wherever I can have my computer and internet, you know. And so um, there's always there's always stuff to learn. And I've traveled a lot growing up, but haven't really spent just time living in another place. And I think that'd be huge. It's interesting to hear how people in the who, who focus on the idea of home right. and real estate sometimes <laughs> actually themselves maybe they've been searching for that in some way their entire <laughs> life. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think home for me is uh, family and close friends, right? Yeah. The people that um, you can talk to literally about anything, and they're going to give you their real response back because uh, they they know you, they understand you, um, and so you can create your home wherever that you can foster that um so for me you know it's funny you know i get the, if you get the question like where, where are you from you know now it's, it's simple to be oh i'm coming from new, i'm coming from new york right like that's where i'm most recently based but um you know people associate me with philly all the time just because i talk about it a lot too right or people know i grew up in maryland so it's like are you from maryland are you from philly are you from new york new york um i'm from to your point i'm kind of from all of them um you know and but i you know even in that you learn the nuances of each different city and state and how kind of can affect your life. So well, there's a nice message there that, you know, real estate may be where you live and mm -hmm. often where you make your home, but you know, where you are truly at home is where your friends and family and heart are. Absolutely. Absolutely.
Ofo, we'd like to give everybody uh, the opportunity to leave us with a final thought, um, you know, whether it's about, you know, your business, where you see yourself going, or just a message you want to leave uh, to our listeners. What what would you leave us with? Yeah, I mean, business-wise, I see this being a, a billion-dollar business. I think that there's, there's real legs here um, in terms of growth, in terms of even the way we're looking at strategically advancing. I, I don't think from, it would be from a standpoint of just kind of a, taking a small exit, I think as a standpoint that we can really build this out, see what happens next. And then if the if the opportunity comes, that's right, taking that opportunity. Um, but I would encourage folks, you know, we're a company that's based on rentals, but we talk so heavily about ownership and the idea of taking ownership of your living situation. And so um, we actually, through the changes in the Jobs Act in 2016, now folks can invest in, you know, equity crowdfunding. So um, it's not just accredited investors that, you know, are making over 200000 a year and have a net worth of a million or more that can invest in the early stages of Facebook and Twitter and all these companies. Now, your average Joe can do it. Anyone can do it. And so um, we actually have a campaign live right now on republic.co slash who's your landlord. Um, that's W-H-O-S-E, your landlord, um, where people can go. You can invest in into the platform. We just launched about a week ago. Um, we have some pretty cool people that are joining us on this round. So we're excited. And uh, my message would be to even though you're renting and you're usually a renter in these situations for our target demo, you have a chance to take ownership in a company that's literally changing your community and making it better. Um, so take advantage of that for many millennials. Not only is it their first, second or third apartment, but it's their first introduction to investment in general. Um, and so for as little as 50 bucks, you can be part of the journey. Um, so I would encourage people to do that. And then overall, you can follow us at WY Landlord. It's the same on Twitter and Instagram and who's your landlord on Facebook. And for the listeners that want to connect with you personally, whether you know there are other people in the industry or investors, how can they reach out to you personally? Yeah, so um, they can reach out to me personally. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are the same again, and Facebook. First name is Ofo, O-F-O. Last name is E-Z-E-U-G-W-U. And uh, it's that together is my Twitter handle, Instagram handle, and it's my Facebook, Ofo Izugu. Um, and then email-wise, I'll, I'll give it, I'll put it out there, ofo at wylandlord.com. They want to reach out to me for questions, investment opportunities, whatever the case is. Yeah. Oh, well, this has been a, a great conversation. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it's a very important topic that, uh, you know, I'm excited to hopefully you'll be back with us in a, a couple of years to tell us uh, more about your uh, your great progress. Uh, and yeah, to our listeners, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we look forward to uh, catching up with you next time. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to Real Estate Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for this show or to become a sponsor, email us at realestatebizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Real Estate Biz Show. That's Real Estate B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, realestateisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network and brought to you by Preview. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.